What's going on, everyone? This is Drew Code Sports Talk, and I am your host, Andrew Wright. And my co-host over in Clovis, California, is Cody Johnson. Cody. Hey, everybody. What's going on? We are back with a brand new episode. We're going to be talking some NBA playoffs, power rankings in baseball, and then we also got some Drew Take questions. So cannot wait to get started. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on TikTok, Drew Code Sports Talk. And also, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. With that being said, guys, let's get started. What's going on, everyone? That's right. I am back. I know you guys all missed me, all three of you. So I appreciate (laughs) that so much. Um, But yes, I am back. Uh, For how long? That remains to be seen. Uh, there is a lot going on uh, in this month and uh, start of next month as well. So we'll see um, what we can do. But uh, hopefully, I will be uh, I will be on here without missing a beat. But I am glad to be back, of course. So thank you guys uh, for listening to uh, last week's episode. As Cody so graciously held down the fort, um, he did a great job. Um, so if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Um, so stop this one that you're listening to now, go listen to Cody's and then you can, uh, come on here and, and listen to this one. Cause we'll probably have some spoiler alerts a little bit. So, um, <laughs> before we get into everything, uh, that is sports that I am very eager to get to Cody, how you doing? man? Doing pretty well, man. Glad that you're back. I don't have to talk to myself anymore. Uh, even though we probably Marco Poloed every day religiously. So you know, we've got busy schedules, but I'm finally uh, finally able to get you here, which is exciting. Yeah. And uh, we got some really good stuff going on in the world of sports. And we are on the home stretch of the NFL season, man, because the schedule came out last week. So we yes, got a lot yes. of homework to do leading up to it. I'm hoping that we can do that next week. I'm hoping, hoping, hoping. Um, how likely that's going to be, uh, that's gonna, that'll remain to be seen because I have a graduation. I think I have two, possibly three graduations <laughs> <laughs> next week. So, uh, we'll see how, how everything works out. But, um, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because I need to redeem myself because you won last year. I won the first year. You mm-hmm. won. Uh, last year so uh hopefully uh we can break the tiebreaker well obviously we're going to but uh, yeah which would be hilarious because now we're gonna we're gonna tie um i can't wait to split that'd be amazing (laughs) that would be hilarious yeah but um i'm i'm really looking forward to that so i and i was actually willing to do all of that in like one hour for myself (laughs) but i was like i i don't i don't know if i can so yeah I decided, you know, that's when I texted you and you're like, I'm going to do next week. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's probably smart. <laughs> yeah. I barely got the spreadsheet for the schedule, let alone gone through it. I'm yeah. not even close to giving my best opinion or thoughts about it. I'd have yeah. to do a call in Cowherd. I have the right to amend this as many times as I want. That's basically how I'd have to treat it. Well, yeah. Yeah, there is always that. So I think I think we should be able to get one amendment if we absolutely need it uh because you never know what can happen between now and the start of the season so mm-hmm. 
And I think maybe we'll be able to do that, but we'll, we'll talk about that another day. But anyway, so glad for you guys to join us. Um, we just got done watching the Mavericks and Warriors play. Um, that was a, that was a really good game for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we'll probably talk about that in a minute, but let's start with the first NBA playoff game, Cody, uh, that happened yesterday, uh, on Tuesday, as we're recording this on Wednesday, um, the Celtics and the Heat and the Heat ended up winning, um, pretty, I mean, the score doesn't really show it, but I felt like Miami was in control basically third quarter on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Celtics kind of had a really, had a pretty good, start to the um to the first half and then in the second half they just they seemed like they were absolutely gassed so yeah um cody i mean let, let's start here i mean can the celtics bounce back yeah i absolutely believe that they could bounce back actually in fact too with the game one with the milwaukee and boston boston lost that one in at home as well and uh, went on to win the series, everyone knows, in Game 7. So I absolutely think that the Celtics can uh, bounce back from it. Uh, their three-point shooting wasn't the greatest. I mean, Tatum went two for nine. Jalen Brown went four for eight, which was great. But you had Grant William, who didn't really have a high shooting percentage. They also were missing Marcus Smart, Al Horford. So those are two you know, big role players in their offense and defense that they didn't have. So that did change a lot of things. I will say, though, that I did predict that Miami would come out of the series to begin with. So Miami's defense is what really, I think, kind of the Celtics ran into to where they weren't prepared for how tenacious they'll be. I think they'll make their proper adjustments, though, and have a bounce back game. Uh, and Because they're really going to need to steal one here in uh, Miami if they're going to go back to Boston and have any sort of shot of winning the series because you got to win one on the road. They should probably do it now after the adjustments. And I anticipate that their shooting will improve once they um, get used to the Miami defense. Yeah, I, I agree with your, your first assessment. You know, obviously the Celtics are going to bounce back. Listen, I marked down this. The Celtics barely beat the Nets in game one. They won 115 to 114, and it was a last-second shot. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Game two with the Bucks. it was the same thing. Celtics lost by 12 to the Bucks in their first game. So the Celtics, what I am starting to believe is what they are doing is they are trying to see what their opponent is going to do. They're trying to gauge, all right, how is this series going to go for them? What are they wanting to do? And the Bucks, it, and it showed for me in, I believe it was game six for mm-hmm. the Bucks and Celtics, when the Bucks went back to what they had done in game one, which was basically go big and mm-hmm. try and just overwhelm the Celtics, and it ended up obviously not working. Um, and so that's kind of what it reminded me of um, is like, you know, I feel like they were trying to gauge of what they were going to do. And then the Bucks kind of try to do a few different things, trying to go a little bit smaller, trying to match up a little bit better. And then as they were starting to kind of lose momentum, they're like, okay, let's go back to what game one we did, and the Celtics were like, "Yeah, we we know exactly what you're going to do. Like, yeah. this is no problem for us." So, um, I kind of felt like that with with the with the Celtics Heat game. I just listen. The other thing that I I did want to bring up is the Celtics. First of all, I'm not worried. I'm not worried that they're that they're not going to come back and bounce back. 
mm-hmm. because they had the shortest amount of time um, during like off days. So mm-hmm. the game sevens were played Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. They had the day off on Monday and then they had to play Tuesday. Mavericks also played on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They won. They had Monday and Tuesday off and then they played today here on Wednesday. So for me, that is why you saw in the second half of this game, the Celtics were kind of gassed and I feel like they played pretty well yeah. for being gassed. So this is my thing. I think not only are they okay losing game one, I think they're also gauging their opponent. But at the same time, you have to realize they are kind of uh, back against the wall in game one because they were only on a one-day rest, yeah. which, yes, during the regular season, they get that all the time. But after you played over 80 games, maybe mm-hmm. closer to 90 now, I, actually, I think over 90, um, you're going to kind of start laboring a little bit. That's that's a lot of games. So yeah. I'm not worried about the Celtics. I think, obviously, Butler had a great game, but there was mm-hmm. no Marcus Smart, who is going to be coming back. And I guarantee you, Smart is going to see a lot of Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, I believe it was Robert Williams who was who was down uh, this uh, in game one as well. So. No, actually, it was Al Horford. Robert Williams did oh, I'm play. Sorry, Al Horford, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Al Horford. Um, and so, um, you, you know, Williams, I thought stepped up pretty well, but mm-hmm. Al Horford is going to help them even a little bit. He's not the Al Horford of, you know, the Atlanta years or the early Boston years. Right. Um, it's going to be more of you know an older Al Horford, but he still is a smart player. He mm-hmm. will pass when he needs to pass. He can make any shot that he needs to make. So. Um, he's definitely going to be a big help. So we'll see how game two is. Honestly, if I were a betting man um, and I were going to put my money on one of these two teams, I would probably put it on the Celtics. I mm-hmm. don't think they're going to come out and just be flat in game two. I feel like at least, if anything, first quarter will be like will Boston will thrive. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it'll set the tone for the rest of the series. But for me, I, I, I I'm still holding on hope that I have the Celtics in the in the uh, NBA Finals as I had predicted, um, and so so far it's kind of going okay. I mean, you predicted the Heat, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. You also predicted predicted the Suns, so and we'll talk yeah. about that later. <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I, I I still feel good about the Celtics. I, I'm not worried about how Game One went. Now, if I'm the Heat, I'm still not worried either. Mm-hmm. Of course, like you know, you 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 did really well, and this Heat team is still a really good defensive team. They're yeah. a good veteran team. I don't know. This is going to be a really. Good, I think this is going to go uh, seven games. Yeah, six, I, I would. I would bet seven games more than six, to be honest. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Heat goes up two nothing, only because again they they probably won't have Smart back quite yet. Uh, Horford is probably still going to be in health and safety protocol. So they probably won't have their two main role players. So I think what will happen is if they go uh, down 2-0 to Miami heading back to Boston, I think that's when, with the extra rest, they'll get their players back. That's when they'll probably protect home court, and then it goes back to Miami to a best-of-three series, in my opinion. Uh, but I agree. Like Al Horford is a huge loss. You can tell that you know Miami got into the paint a lot. Uh, 
Uh, they needed Horford because he's really good at pick and pop and shooting threes or distributing yeah. and clogging the paint. They definitely missed him. So game two is going to be really good, but I wouldn't be surprised if Miami goes up 2-0 heading to Boston afterwards. Okay, Cody. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I, I think I should ask it anyway. Are you sticking with the Heat in this series, or are you are you going to switch over to the Celtics? I'm sticking Heat, seven games. Okay, yeah, I figured. I'm, I'm going to say Celtics, but I'm also going to say seven games. So, um, you know, I, we're just sticking with our guns. So, all right. So let's talk about the playoff game that just happened. Our first reaction here. Oh, you updated. Oh, good I'm for you, my man. Good for you. Sorry, if you, <laughs> I forgot this is on YouTube right now. So if you if you haven't seen this, uh, Cody put up uh, that Golden State already had the series or won Game One, and he's got his notes all all situated. So good for you, man. Thank you. Uh, way to be on top of things. I would have yeah, just, just left it. Don't ask me to <laughs> pronounce any names, though. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you were recording at that time because that was the funniest thing. It was like every name. <laughs> <laughs> all except one solo. Um, so the Warriors and Mavericks, Mavericks just came off a huge, um, I, I guess you would say an emotional win mm-hmm. because everyone predicted the Suns. I mean, I, I mean, other outside of Dallas, no one was picking the Mavericks. I, right. I don't, I don't believe that at all. Um, but I mean, unfortunately, Chris Paul kind of fell apart. Devin Booker had an awful game seven, yeah. Um, and uh, DeAndre Ayton was kind of a no-show all series. So um, it it was kind of like just I feel like more people were just like in shock and awe of mm-hmm. what just happened. Um, and um, you know, it, it, good for good for the Mavericks to to come out on top here. But now coming into the Warriors. Again, if you were a betting man, I, I would have I would have put a lot of money on the Warriors. Now, mm-hmm. you would probably not get a lot back because I do believe the Warriors were the favorite to to win Game One. I don't think that was kind of a secret, right? <laughs> you know, but um, boy, the the Warriors. I mean, maybe it was because they were well rested, but mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing them miss. Yeah, <laughs> it was Steph Curry in, in the third quarter was I, I watched all of the third quarter and holy cow. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, he was just everywhere. And then Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson had a really, real quiet night. Um, he was coming up big. I, I mean, every time I looked at his name, he was hitting shots mm-hmm. like crazy. And I was like, good Lord, dude, like <laughs> settle down. Don't, don't <laughs> kill him. Don't kill him all at once. But, um, yeah, I, I was just – I thought that, you know, Steph Curry would kind of step up a little bit more because a lot of people were saying, and, and even me, I, I'll admit, it wasn't a great series for Steph Curry in, against the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But, he I mean, he still was getting what he needed to get done. I mean, it wasn't like he was just absolute trash. Um, but um, it, was, it was kind of interesting. I, I will say um, that it kind of seemed like he was starting to get a little old. I, I feel like that was a lot of talk with Steph Curry. And now in this game, he put up 21 points and then was like, okay, I'm done. That's yeah. all I needed. Um, you know, Andrew Wiggins had 19. Jordan Poole had a quiet 19. Yeah. Um, you know, Clay Thompson, he had 15, but I feel like it was 
a big 15. I mean, he mm-hmm. just, any big shot that they needed, like a dagger or a three to really just push, you know, push Mavericks over the edge where they're just like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Clay Thompson was making that shot. I mean, there was a couple of times where Clay Thompson was double teamed. He faked a shot. There was a guy who was wide open in the corner, and Clay was like, "No, nah, I'm going to make this." And he mm-hmm. just did a fadeaway shot, and he made it every single time. There's like two or three plays of that, and I was like, yeah. "Dude, pass the ball!" But anyway, <laughs> he made them. So what do I know? Um, but really, was impressed with Kayvon Looney as well. He had mm-hmm. a really good game. He was a big factor. I thought he was almost going to be unplayable uh, with yeah. the Mavericks, but he came up huge. So. Uh, he definitely played his way into at least starting another game. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But Luca wasn't, I mean, wasn't fantastic. But again, they were kind of on short rest. They just came off of a really um, intense series against the Suns. Uh, Luca mm-hmm. ended up with 20 points. Spencer Dinwiddie was 17. That was a real quiet 17. Jalen Brunson, I felt like in... It was the third quarter. He had a couple of really big baskets, but they just didn't capitalize on any momentum he was trying to give them. Yeah, uh, Dwight Powell is is uh, I think it's almost unplayable at this point. Cleaver was absolute trash today too. So the Mavericks, they're a good team, but I, I feel like we just saw what their limitations are. We just mm-hmm. saw it right here, um, and this is why I like the Warriors because not only are the Warriors this incredible shooting team. They do have a really good defense. I know you were saying their defense isn't that good. It actually, I think, is better than what we think. I just think the Grizzlies were that good. I think they had so many shooters on their team mm-hmm. versus the Mavericks, who don't really have that many guys who can you can rely on. I mean, they're relying on Reggie Bullock, who, I mean, is, is fine, but he's not going to hit every three every time, you know? Yeah. So... For me, this is what Warriors are capable of. They're a team that they will pour threes on you and they will demand you to make a tough shot every single time. Yeah. Uh, they're a very good defensive team. They're a very small defensive team and they they make it rough on you. So, um, you know, I'm not going to go as far as to say the Warriors are going to sweep, but. I would probably say Warriors and six just to be on the safe side, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it were a, if it were a five game series. No, I would agree. I think it's going to be Warriors and six. Um, I think I think part of the reason why the Mavericks didn't really have that great of a game, I do think uh, the two days did a, did help them a little bit, but I think two is you're right. Warriors defense in this game was a little bit more tenacious than what we're used to. I don't necessarily think that it was because the Grizzlies had more shooters. I think Grizzlies just were so physical that the Warriors didn't want to go physicality. They had to beat them by spreading the ball a little bit. And essentially, you know, also too, if John Morant uh, didn't get injured, maybe it gets pushed to seven and who knows what happens after that series. But nevertheless, so I think addition to uh, game one between the Mavs and Warriors, uh, you did have Luka trying to penetrate the lane and, Warriors did a really good job of doing a lot of help defense. I see Draymond strip the ball several times yeah. from him. Uh, Steph Curry got his hand in the uh, in Luca's uh, handles for uh, for a little bit. I think Clay Thompson's size does kind of uh, negate Randy uh, uh, Reggie Bullock, and uh, obviously he's a three specialist. But 
as he's a former Laker, you chase him off the line and he doesn't really turn into much more of a playmaker than that. So, uh, you know, I do think that Dallas will bounce back. I do anticipate that they do probably defend home court just because the Warriors on the road aren't the greatest, especially when it comes to calls by the refs. Um, and of course, Draymond Green's probably going to get into some sort of trouble, technical foul, <laughs> something. I mean, it's almost inevitable. <laughs> That's uh, an easy bet. That's just yeah. such an easy bet. And I, mean, I do you're, think you're Jordan, betting, man. <laughs> yeah, I do think Jordan Poole will probably not have such a great game. I mean, he did have a good 19, and you know, he was a little bit more under control than when uh, he was in the Grizzlies game uh, when Mike Brown was coaching. And I do think though that he will have some bad games. Steph Curry, I think, will actually get a little bit better just because I don't think the Mavericks don't have anybody that can really hold down Steph, but I also don't think the Warriors have really anybody that can hold down Luca. I think Luca will mm-hmm. figure out a way how to get his buckets uh, from this defense, considering he did the same thing to Phoenix. And I did think that Phoenix was a really good defense. I mean, statistically a top 10 defense in the league and Luca, I think because he just ISOed Chris Paul or he isolated a poor defender, you know, he was able to take advantage. I think, obviously, having some film now to look at the games, studying them, I think he will uh, create better shots and get more buckets. But now the question is, can Bronson step up? You know, can Dimwitty step up? Who else can the Mavs rely on to help uh, Luka, you know, take down the Warriors? Because essentially the Warriors have five players that at any given night could be the leading scorer of that night and the focal point of the offense. And the offense is so universal that you can make Steph as the primary shooter, then turn it into Clay as primary, then turn it into Jordan Poole or Andrew Wiggins. Like you have so many interchanging parts or in ironically, you can have Draymond be a number two option because he scored a lot of points in the closeout game between Grizzlies just because penetrated the lane that he took the shots in the paint and that's what they gave him. And the Warriors could just be in several ways and the Mavs, probably won't be able to match that, but need to find some offensive power that is going to be able to keep him up. And then Luca and the closing moments could win them the games, but I don't see it going more than six games respectively. And again, that could just be because of home court for Dallas. Uh, but, you know, I do think that uh, the Warriors are overwhelmingly favorites in this series, but I do think though, that a good point to say though, is Luca is possibly one extra piece away whether that is an interior you know four or five stretch player that can shoot the ball or stretch the court a little bit stretch the stretch the play i mean imagine if deandre ayton gets signed to dallas for some reason some sign and trade yeah. that would that would be a huge help for him because you got you need somebody who can get interior and stretch the floor and give space for luca that would be a really good one especially with dimwitty and bronson if they don't have to give up any pieces for like a sign and trade deal hypothetical again but uh, I think I think uh, I would agree with you on the Warrior standpoint. But also, too, Mavs Mavs are not a team to to scoff at, and this could be the start of something crazy for them with Luca for the upcoming years. I do want to say this because you did bring up kind of a, a well, you brought up the the next the next question, kind of. So uh, you're going to be like, wait, when did I say that? So I just want to <laughs> let you know. It was kind of. You kind of brought something up that reminded me of what the next question is. But let's get to this first. We could also say, as I had said about the Celtics, where they lost first game, kind of, you know, tried to see what their opponent is going to do, and then they kind of know how to attack. Mm-hmm. 
The Mavericks lost game one against the Utah Jazz 99-93. They ended up winning that series. Um, ended up winning that series uh, 4-2. to Excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Game one against the Phoenix Suns. They lost 121-114. to So they've lost <laughs> every start to their series. They lose... Game one here against the Warriors. Now, I'm not saying that I feel like the Mavericks are going to win, but I do feel like the Warriors also need to realize that it looks like, first of all, they had a short rest. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the guys who came up big in game six and game seven, were they seemed gassed. I mean, Dinwiddie didn't really, I didn't think, had a great game. Uh, Jalen Brunson, I felt like, was a little timid. Uh, they really relied on Reggie Bullock this this game and I thought that was a questionable questionable thing to to do um and then you have um you know Luka Doncic who I mean he's basically uh LeBron Jamesing it from 2016 mm-hmm. he's doing it here this year I mean I was so excited to see the Suns and, and Mavericks uh or I'm sorry Suns and, and Warriors uh, playing the uh, com- in the conference finals, I just I written off Dallas completely, yeah. um, and I feel like yes, did Phoenix have a bad collapse? Uh, absolutely, but I do also we need to give credit to Luca who really isn't doing with a lot. And, and when you said DeAndre Ayton, I was like, God, that would solve a lot of what they had issues with today. Yeah, um, I mean, Powell was like I said, it was almost uns- unstartable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Kleber was kind of a no-show, and then they have Davis yeah. Bertans, who is kind of a three specialist, but you know he doesn't play enough to to be considered that anymore. So, mm-hmm. I mean, DeAndre Ayton would would do wonders rebounding wise, and and just a little bit of, um, I guess, a little bit of uh, you know relief off of Luka Doncic. So. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my uh, my thought on that. So, I did want to bring up, you kind of brought up uh, the Phoenix. I'm sorry. You brought up who would you have to start your franchise with, which was Luka Doncic or Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. And I thought you were kind of bringing up a good point of Luka is basically put the team on his back and is just rolling with it, you know, just mm-hmm. rolling with this team. And I don't think I, I had said this. I had I had told you, Cody, at the start of the Sun series. I told you that I felt like this the Mavericks were going to get at least one, maybe even two games, just because Luca has this absolute magic to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how if you feel the same way about that in, in this series. But I kind of do. I feel like if I'm almost to the point where I'm like, Le, if LeBron could do it, I, I kind of think Luca could do it. Mm-hmm. And Luca has done it for a long period of time. I mean, there was a video I saw out where he was like 13 or 12 or 13 years old. He was going against kids who were obviously bigger than him, mm-hmm. or I mean, older than him. And he was just carving. I mean, he went for like 54 points in like a high school game. And mm-hmm. the kid was like in junior high. So, uh, um, I mean, he's ridiculous. I mean, he's just been doing it his entire life. Mm-hmm. And I I was on here, on Drew Code, 
I had said in the in the draft, I wanted Jason Tatum over Lonzo Ball. I yes, feel like yes. Jason Tatum was the right call. You yeah. agreed with me as well. You, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you weren't saying that either. We were both here saying we felt like Jason Tatum was probably the best prospect in that draft. Mm-hmm. It went Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, and then it went Jason Tatum. And Boston was like, I can't believe he dropped to us. Yeah. Um, and so it, this is a tough one because I do feel like Tatum plays pretty good defense. I think he's mm-hmm. a good defender. He's a really good shooter. But I do feel like he has kind of a streakiness to him. Mm-hmm. Every now and then he'll have a really bad game where he's maybe 15 points. Um, you know, he doesn't get a ton of assists a lot. Sometimes he ends up kind of doing the Kobe method, who ironically I know he uh, worked with a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, kind of just the Kobe method where he's like, all right, I'll just, I'm just going to take these shots. You know, I, yeah. if I want, if anyone's going to shoot, it's going to be me, you know? Yeah. And, um, so for me, I think Luca, because I do know that Luca, even though he will, he will do the same things. He's one of the better shooters at that height. I mean, he just, he does, he looks like he's got my body, but he just <laughs> does different things with it. And I'm like, dang it, why can't I do that? Uh, it gives me false hope, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, he's so talented. Man, yeah. he is so talented. I know he doesn't play a lick of defense. I mean, I know yeah. he has no interest in defense. But I have seen him sometimes. He'll at least, I mean, in the playoffs at least, he, when they need a defensive stop, he really does kind of focus in on what he's doing. Now, is he great at it? No. But Luca has proven that he can take the team on his back and he can put a team over the Phoenix Suns, who all of us were saying were probably going to be in the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know I had picked, um, I had picked the, uh, the Warriors to go in, but I, I still feel like the Suns were a really tough team. I mean, Booker is one of these incredible shooters. Chris Paul is this absolute godsend to basketball, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, DeAndre Ayton is a guy who was not aggressive at all in that Maverick series. And I think that was one of their downfalls. But I just think Luka, I mean, he's doing it with not a lot of names. I mean, I mean yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie is, is a good player. I'm not saying he's not, but... I mean, if you put Jason Tatum on the Mavericks with Spencer Dinwiddie, I'm not sure you get the same result. I mean, mm-hmm. I like I like Tatum a lot. I would love for him to be a Laker. I would love Luka to be a Laker. Yeah. Um, but I think I would take Luka over Jason Tatum. Yeah, I, I honestly can't disagree with what your points were regarding Luka just because you're right. He, he is a special player to where you can honestly – say that when he steps on the floor and it the ball is in play that he can easily influence the game and win you one all by himself kind of in a LeBron sense or an Allen Iverson sense where he's so good he can at least get you one good one and or in this case he got them a series because let's be honest the role players weren't really doing anything until Luca kind of stood up to Phoenix in a sense and gave them confidence and then that's essentially what helped them propel over Phoenix, who number one team in the league, all leading up to that point. So, but I I will say though, I think I would choose Jason Tatum over Luca, not because of the points that you made to Luca. 
I do think that he is a huge offensive weapon. He's got almost unlimited range, and he's, I think, 6'7", 6'8", and a point guard who can distribute, looks to get his guys involved. He's a, basically a walking double-double, and I think he can actually push to be a triple-double if he really you know, stays in shape leading into the start of the season because we Just all know West that he, yeah, he, he basically <laughs> has a really free-spirited diet, we'll say. But the reason why I would go with Jason Tatum is you know, for the years that he's already been in the league, he has matured each year. Uh, his shooting is really good. His passing is really good. Yes, he does have Jalen Brown, but that shouldn't be a knock against him that he's got a good teammate that he can rely on because he is still the number one option in that offense. And in the years where he didn't have Brown or he was injured, he was able to step up. Tatum has proven that you give him the ball, he will make the he will make the right uh, play to get in position to score. You know, for example, when he beat the buzzard against uh, against the Nets in Game One, he was there at the right time. And two, he his defense has stepped up every year since he's been in the league, and this year encapsulated that when he went against Kevin Durant, winning against Giannis. Now, granted, he didn't go head to head with Giannis, but he did take on the challenge where he made it tough, and he did play some good team defense. And you know, using his length, using his size, and still on the offensive side being someone to you got to worry about. And when his shot is falling, his shot is falling, and he's dangerous from three. He's dangerous from mid range. He's lengthy. He can get to the rack whenever he wants. Um, that's what I would want from a player. And not only that, but I guarantee you that at the start or at the end of the season, I will I will get him at his physical peak with no distractions. Where with Luke, I'm not saying that he's distracting, but what's his nutrition like is what I always wonder. Another thing, too, is he's also a hothead, so he definitely gets a lot of technicals, which means that he'll get suspended if he gets a certain amount. You don't want to get suspended at the wrong moment because he plays so passionately, which is great, but I also want a player that can play under control. And in those moments, Ali, like a, you know, uh, like a Kobe, in a sense, where... If I need to go, if I need to take over the game, he will take over the game. If he has to do 50 points and two assists, which I call a Kobe stat line, he will do that because that's what's going to win the game. If it's needed, nobody else is getting theirs. Then I'm going to take over. And he's shown that he can do that. I know that Luca is a transcendent player that influences game, but I think Jason Tatum in this sense is the guy you'd want to build around because the Celtics are giving us the perfect example of you put the right pieces ahead of him. And now he's potentially on his way or he's, essentially in his, I think, second or third conference finals in his four or five years in the NBA. Luka's just now in his first one. He doesn't control the roster in that sense. But Jason Tatum has proved that with two different coaches so far, he has gotten this far basically on the doorstep of the NBA final. So I would take Tatum just for those reasons alone. Um. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's really that wrong of an answer. I do. I would. I would. Like I said, I would pick Luca. I think his his shooting and his passing alone and his rebounding, to be fair, too, is is yeah. pretty elite. But um, you just kind of kept bringing up Kobe, and it just reminded me this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. So I'm very sorry at, at this moment, but I just love the story about when Kobe saw Luca play. Um, I don't even remember. I don't even think it was against the Lakers. I think it was just against some random team. And um, <laughs> Lucas said, 
after the game, he said, yeah, Kobe was talking trash to me, but in my language. Yeah. He was, <laughs> he learned my language and then was talking smack to me. I just, I love that story. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we brought up a lot of Kobe and it just reminded me of that story. I just, I love that thing. I, I think that's so cool. So, um, but I feel like too, if, uh, if Kobe's talking smack or is willing to work with you, uh, you're, you're going to have a great career. I mean, Jason Tatum worked with Kobe for his first, I think two years, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously before, before his death. And, and uh, I know that Kobe, he said that like one of the few players that he wants to go see every day is Luka Doncic. So um, when you're, when you're talked about like that from, from a Kobe Bryant, you're doing something right. Yeah. All right, Cody. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we have some MLB topics. Oh, yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> What's going on, everyone? So, <laughs> We're a bunch of idiots, dude. <laughs> I know. I do that every time. Uh, I know. The, I see on the break, it. On the break, I'm always like, yeah. It reminds yeah. me of uh, Jackass the Party Boy. Yeah. Anything? Yeah. He's club dancing with everybody in a Speedo. Yeah. I'm sorry. sorry, I'm dumb. Anyway, <laughs> so Cody, um, actually, it's it's kind of funny that this topic came up. Um, was I was I was watching a game, ironically, at work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So uh, where where I work? Well, I help out. I guess I don't I don't necessarily work there, but I I just kind of help out every now and then. And um, over where I was at, uh, I one of my buddies that I, I talk to every day, he, um, he works there too. So what we do is we set up our tablets in the, in the back and, uh, we just have like baseball games going on all day, obviously during baseball season. And, um, and then we're just, you know, we'll be working, but you know, every now and then we'll check in. So on slow times, uh, we're able to watch the game. So we were ended up watching a game and they brought up a really good, question and i thought we should answer that on here the question was which position player under 25 would you start your mlb franchise with and why and the four players the first one was uh fernando tatis jr ronald acuna jr vladimir guerrero jr and juan soto so out of those four players you had to pick one who would you go with cody Oh man. Um I think I would say I would want to go with um I'm I can't decide if I want Acuña Jr. or Juan Soto. I think I would go with Ronald Acuña Jr. and here's why because basically he was an NL MVP candidate last season before he had his ACL injury mm-hmm. and he's very fast, very good about stealing bases, gets on base, hits for average, also can hit home runs, which is what he showed. And now that he's come back from his ACL injury is showing that he basically hasn't lost a step. Um, Very good on the defensive side of the ball as well. So there's, I mean, he is in the outfield, all things considered. But again, though, I think with what the energy that he brings and he's got a flair about him, but he also plays the game the right way. And you can always you can always count on him to deliver a big hit if needed in the later innings, just because he finds a way to get on base, make contact, make something happen. Uh, I think if I wanted to start a franchise with one of these players, I would go with 
Ronald Acuna Jr.? I like Ronald Acuna Jr. It was tough for me because he did just come off his ACL. And I'm not saying that because someone coming off their ACL can't be who they are. But it does take a little bit of time. And I wasn't sure if he was going to run or not. Obviously, we're seeing him. He's already got six stolen bases this year. So, uh, you know, obviously that was fine. But he's... He's going to be a star for a long time, Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, I don't deny that. I just, I would prefer, for me, it was also between those. Actually, for me, it was more in between Juan Soto or Vladimir Guerrero. Uh, Those were kind of my two guys that I was kind of in between. But I went with Juan Soto. And I don't think it's any surprise. I mean, I picked him to win, you know, NL MVP this year. You know, I, I, uh, I mean, the the Giants are really trying to push <laughs> to get him now. With the story came out mm-hmm. that uh, looks like the Nationals are going to try and trade him before they lose him completely. Um, and um, so, you know, I'm very excited about that. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> the reason I was in between Vladimir Guerrero and and Juan Soto was Vladimir Guerrero, his dad did it successfully here in this league so junior came up and he really saw what the game was now fernando Mm -hmm. tatis yes he was in the bigs he was i mean his dad wasn't like a phenomenal player he was a good player you know ronald acuna um i don't think played in uh the majors i could be mistaken by that but so for me it was like okay you already have that pedigree of okay i know how to do it right here in in this league but I also know what I am really good at. His defense, Vladimir Guerrero's defense has gotten better over over the last couple of years. Um, he's got an immense amount of power. But the guys that I like are the guys that do it all. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, everyone does. But Juan Soto came in to a team where they already had Bryce Harper at the time. Bryce Harper was this phenom the guy had an arm he had a glove he had speed he had power he made contact this guy was incredible and Juan Soto came in and was like I can do that too but maybe a little more consistent and he's proven Mm -hmm. that he can not only does Juan Soto do everything that everyone was talking about Bryce Harper but he does it better in my opinion he's a guy who is hitting over 300 in his career I mean, this guy, I, I'm sorry, I'm wrong on that. He's hitting 297 in his career right now. He's already had over 100 home runs. He has 36 stolen bases. He is just a, the master of consistency. I mean, for mm-hmm. me, he is a guy that is always hitting for average. Um, he's got power, but he doesn't always, this is going to sound weird, but he doesn't always use his power. He's not always just going up there going, I'm going to just smoke this in, into the upper deck. I'm going to hit a home run in this one. I'm going to, you know, we're down 8 eight nothing, and uh, there's, you know, no one on base. I'm just going to smoke this home run. No, he understands that, listen, I need to get on base, and I need to get a rally going. doesn't matter if I hit a home run because although a home run is huge in baseball, mm-hmm. when you're down 8 nothing. One solo shot really isn't going to do much for your team. Now, it may Mm -hmm. spark your team, but I've seen it more times than not where your team gets sparked by 
a couple of base hits here and there. Then you get a couple of runs. Now you're starting mm-hmm. to, okay, we can come back into this. Juan Soto knows when to do that, and he knows when to swing for the fences. He's 23 years old. He's not even, uh, he's been able to drink for only two years. Like, <laughs> that is mind-boggling to me. Juan Soto, for me, is one of the best players in the game. Mm-hmm. I like Fernando Tatis a lot. He is an electric player. If he stayed healthy, then we can have a conversation about him. But I just feel like having Fernando Tatis in this in this question is, I feel like I'm insulting him a little bit because mm-hmm. um, we just haven't seen enough. He hasn't been out on the field enough. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's just such a, a condensed uh, group of games for him. Um and and so with Vladimir Guerrero, he's been healthy. Ronald Acuna, I don't really hold his injury in in the sense of like I don't hold him that he's oh this is why I'm not picking him. I just I really like Juan Soto. He's a lefty who can do it all, and I think he's uh, he's a better st- uh, guy to steal bases uh, than Ronald Acuna. I think he's better at it. Um, and I think we've seen Juan Soto absolutely thrive on a team that hasn't been very good for a few years now, especially since they lost uh, Bryce Harper. Yeah. And um, I, this guy is, to me, is a guy I would want to start my my franchise franchise with, without a doubt. Yeah, I think Tatis is a very charismatic player and he would definitely be entertaining for audiences and to draw in a crowd because yeah. he'll definitely put on a show. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things with the franchise, do you, I mean, it's great to have somebody that can put on a show, but you really want somebody like a Acuna, like a Soto that can get their team into position to hit for the fences, get on base, steal a base, do what they can. Not saying that Tatis can't do that, but, as you said, the sample size on him is still real small. Is he productive? Yeah, for the most part. But again, he's very entertaining. Vlad Guerrero, I, I don't want to say this. I don't want to say like we're not picking him out of a negative because I would love to have him start a franchise if all three of these guys were taken. I think for me, Vlad Guerrero, because he uh, more often than not is a DH or a first baseman, you know, he maybe not play on the defensive side so much, but... Also, too, like he's not somebody that's going to steal a bunch of bases. He's a mm-hmm. power guy for sure by nature. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean get on base and make something happen, get a rally going like Acuna or Soto can do. Mm-hmm. And not saying that that's bad for Guerrero, but I think in today's baseball, you need a player that could do essentially what's necessary in the situation and not just swing for the fences, like you said, every single time. And I feel like Guerrero is really good at swinging for the fences every time. But you don't yeah. need that to start a franchise like you used to anymore. The ba- yeah. game has become more evolved. Where you need a lot. You need some specialists. You don't need just a power guy. You know, and to me too, like Guerrero really reminds me of a Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger has been on a team where he all he has to do is swing for the fences, and that's okay. That's all they want him to do. That's okay. That's fine. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but at the same time. I do want to see a guy who is supposed to be an MVP caliber guy. I want him to be able to understand situational ball. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying Cody Bellinger doesn't, but I mean, for the most part, when you see him, his swing, it's 
it's a home run swing almost every single time. Yeah. Vladimir Guerrero is, is very similar, and he does it very well. There's no question about it. But he does have a very talented team around him, especially right now, where you have a Bo Bichette. Um, you have a George Springer who's been hitting the crud out of the ball right now. Um, their rotation is ridiculous. So he's able to kind of get away with it a little bit more. Whereas Juan Soto, he's got to figure out ways to win because his team is not as as good. You know, Ronald mm-hmm. Acuna, he had to do that his first year when he came into the league. Um, and, of course, then he had, you know, Freddie Freeman who kind of helped him out. And then Ozzie Albies kind of came in, Danzenby Swanson, and, and you know, just a whole mess of players all of a sudden started coming in. And, and you know, the Braves are, are a talented team now. Um, but, um, and then Fernando Tatis, I was just looking at it. I mean, out of 162 games, you know, his first year, he played 84. Now, that wasn't his fault. He was called up in the middle of the year, um, and he had a phenomenal year. In 2020, we only had a, what, a 60-game 60 60 game uh, season, sixty game season, and he ended up playing 59 of those, so good for him. Mm-hmm. Last year, he played 130, and, you know, it, he, out of 162, yeah, that's okay. But in the grand scheme of things... He had an injury in 2019 where, you know, that was his first year where it kind of limited him a little bit. 2021, he had an injury. And then this year, he was kind of very reckless. So, yes, he is young, so I'm not going to be worried about that. But for me, even though it's very small sample of, of these injuries, it does add up and it can be, it can be um, effective towards... Uh, your career of of what you're going to be doing because when he comes back i'm not sure how many stolen bases he's going to uh eventually take because i'm sure the Padres are going to be like you know what you probably shouldn't steal as many bases as you want to or as Mm -hmm. you should because we need you healthy you know and and that's unfortunate you don't want to take that away and i feel like ronald acuna jr could still steal bases because the ACL thing was just kind of one of those freak things. He hasn't had any injury history before then. Mm-hmm. Um, the same for Juan Soto. So um, that's kind of why I, you know, for me, injuries, it does play a factor, especially if we're talking about 25 and under, you kind of have a little bit of a sample size. I would, my, my pick is Juan Soto. Can't go wrong with any of the four, though. That's sure. <laughs> really? I mean, seriously. I mean, I feel bad for, like, talking smack about these guys because I would take literally any of them on the Giants. But, yeah, you know, whatever, I guess. Um, so, Cody, um, let's talk about the power rankings. Now, I did a top 10. You told me no. No, <laughs> no I, I did a top 10 because... Um, I feel like the last couple of times that we have done the power rankings, I feel like, uh, you know, you're asking me like, oh, where did you have this team? And I'm like, uh, I would probably put them around six or seven, mm-hmm. you know, and I so I wanted to have that list. So if you're asking about any of these teams, um, I I have my top 10. So just wanted to throw that out there. I will go from one to five because I think it's easier to predict who one will be. And then when you get five, I think you're, you got more of a debate. So for me, although I do understand that, um, you know, there, there could be some controversy here. I have the New York Mets at one. 
Um, I have the New York Yankees at two. I have the Los Angeles Dodgers at three. Uh, the Houston Astros at four. And round out the top five are the San Diego Padres at five. So that is my top five. I I almost put the Dodgers two and the Yankees one because the Yankees mm-hmm. do have a better record. But in my opinion, just watching how some of these teams are playing, I feel like the Mets are the number one team still. I feel like I don't want to see them still. Uh, I feel like if I, if, for example, my obviously my team is the Giants. So if the Giants went against the Yankees, I feel better about going against the Yankees, honestly, than I do against the Mets. Because mm-hmm. the Yankees have a, have a rotation that I believe that we could hit off of versus the Mets where you got Max Scherzer. We have no idea when Jacob deGrom is coming back. Um, but Taylor McGill, who is injured right now, Carlos Carrasco, um, these guys are, are, you know, Chris Bassett, these guys are, are really talented rotation. Then you look at their bullpen. Um, they got some studs. Now, I, I feel like that they're probably going to have to beef that up a little bit, probably their catching position. Mm-hmm. But if those are your only two weaknesses, those are easily fixable. Um, with the Yankees, I don't feel great about their, their bullpen. I don't feel great about the rotation. Now, their lineup is phenomenal. You got Anthony Rizzo, Giancarlo Stanton, you have Aaron Judge. And in no way am I saying the Yankees are not good. They're phenomenal. I mean, obviously, I've, I'm putting them at number two but I just feel better about the Mets than I do the Yankees. I feel like the Yankees are still easily beatable than the Mm -hmm. Mets, but I did put them over the Dodgers because the Dodgers have had some weird losses. Now, they're on a five-game winning streak for sure, but the Dodgers lose some weird series. I mean, they they had lost uh, to the Rockies the very first series, which was kind of like... Okay, that was kind of weird, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, they just lost another series. I think to... the Phillies they lost. I think they dropped two two games out of a three game series with the Phillies. I think. Yes, they lost the 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 series to the Phillies, which that to me is weird. Uh, they lost the series to the Pittsburgh Pirates, another mm-hmm. weird one. Um, now I'm not saying that those teams are not good. I mean, the Phillies have a really good lineup, but. Um, I just I would pick the Dodgers lineup over almost anyone's. Yeah. Uh probably over anyone's to be uh, to be perfectly honest. So um they just weird some they lose some weird games. Uh I mean they were lucky to have the series sweep against the the Diamondbacks where they played them four games and beat them all four games so good for mm-hmm. them but yeah the the series before then the uh the the Pirates and and the Phillies they ended up losing, which was kind of weird. But um, then I had the Houston Astros, who I feel like has been really flying under the radar. I feel like everyone's just kind of over the Astros, which I get, believe me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, Jose Altuve, he's still doing he's still doing Jose Altuve things. Now, I mean, would I be surprised if it came out later that he's, you know, still sign-stealing? I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. I mean, he's got the little man syndrome, but he is hitting 258 this year. He's got eight home runs. He's got a couple of stolen bases, 13 ribbies. So uh, he's doing well there. Um, Alex Bregman has been really good for them uh, as well. 
Um, they just traded for uh, a giant Mauricio Dubon, who is a guy who basically will play anywhere. Mm-hmm. Even though Bregman, he's kind of been on a hot streak, but currently his batting average is only 230 right now. Um, one guy I did want to bring up, who I actually picked up in fantasy baseball, Jeremy Pena. Mm-hmm. This guy had a tall task. Now, I'm not the hugest fan of Carlos Correa. I do think he is a, a very good uh, shortstop. Um, I don't love the way he was kind of defending uh, Jose Altuve and was just like, every, he was just treating it like, oh, everyone's dumb. Like, everyone would have done this and blah, blah, blah. And it was just kind of like, dude, you're not coming off as that's good. You could have just kept it shut, but yeah. I do appreciate that he did step up for his teammate, so I will give him credit for that. But Carlos Correa, in it, just baseball, just talking strictly baseball, Carlos Correa is a good player. I, I would I would say great. I think he's a great player. Um, he's got really good defense. He's got a good arm, and he's got some good pop, and, and he will hit usually about 270 every year. So mm. he is a very... He's a great player. Um, he's a guy who won't, you know, deal with a ton of injuries. So this kid, Jeremy Pena, comes up, and he's supposed to be, you know, possibly better than Correa or at least Carlos Correa. That's that's huge. Those are huge shoes to fill just automatically. This guy's hitting two seventy four. He's got seven home runs, 21 ribbies, and he's got a stolen base. He's only had a career 113 at-bats this year. And that's all this year. This kid is is hitting really well. Um, he's he's done some really good things. When he is in the lineup, he is hitting every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like, and and then another thing is Jordan Alvarez. He's strictly their DH. Every now and then he'll play outfield. But Jordan Alvarez, we we talk about Aaron Judge and and Giancarlo Stanton, Vladimir Guerrero. You know these big home run hitters. Jordan Alvarez is second in the majors in home runs, not just AL, but in the majors in home runs. Second only to Aaron Judge. This guy has tremendous power, but not only that, this guy also hits for average as well. And then Kyle Tucker had a really bad start to the year. I mean, I think he went like like one for twenty-five his first time, his first at bats, and then all of a sudden he started getting a little traction. Hit a mm-hmm. home run here, then he then he hit a home run and a couple of days later, and then he was starting to get base hits and starting to get on base, and he was starting to get in that groove again. This is a strong, strong uh, batting lineup, and um, they have a really good rotation, and I think an, a very underrated pitching rotation. Their bullpen is what's going to kill them. But this is a really good Houston Astros team. I really mm-hmm. like this Houston Astros team, um, and uh, I hate saying that to be honest, but you know they're good. I mean, I, you got to give credit where credit is due, and they've just done nothing but win, and uh, they're they're continuing that here, mm-hmm. even without even they. A lot of people were giving them like you know how could they let go of Carlos Correa you know now it's going to be really bad and Jeremy Pena came in and was like okay we won't miss a beat <laughs> so good for them um and then the San Diego Padres as much as I don't want to put them in there <laughs> I wanted to put the Angels they have done all of their winning without um without Fernando Tatis who last year seemed like the only reason they were winning some games uh, Manny Machado needs to be talked about 
uh, way more. Mm-hmm. Machado is having such a quietly good year. Uh, it's almost criminal that he's not being mentioned uh, with everyone else uh, because he, he's hitting 353, <laughs> seven home runs, 23 RBIs. Oh, and something that I've always criticized that he needs to start doing more. He's stealing six bases this year. So he's doing what they need him to do. Mm-hmm. And um, man, I, I love it. I mean, they got Jake Cronenworth who the guy is, he'll play anywhere at any time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Luke Voigt, I think is an unrated player. Eric Hosmer having another quiet year, mm-hmm. um, quietly good year is what I mean. Um, uh, they just traded for Robinson Cano, who I don't see him starting very often. But anyway, I'll, yeah. I'll mention him. He's got a name. Uh, Will Myers, Trent Grisham, uh, Jerkson Profar may not be doing great with the bat right now, but uh, Grisham is a fast guy in center field who can catch up to any ball. Will Myers has played right field, I feel like, since you know the start of the 1900s. And then Jerkson Profar is a guy who... He used to play shortstop, then he played second base and third base, and then all of a sudden he goes to the Padres and they're like, you're just an outfielder. And he's not a great arm, but he knows how to play uh, the caroms. He knows how to find, you know, track the fly ball and ground balls and stuff. So they're going to have to be better at their starting rotation, but they got Mike Clevenger back. You Darvish is eh. Um, I like Mackenzie Gore a lot. I think he's a really talented pitcher. Um, he just needs a few more starts to really get in that groove. Sean Manaya, I thought that was such a great grab by them. Joe Musgrove needs to be talked about more because this guy has been absolutely killing it this year. Um, and it's just because he's on the Padres um, <laughs> that he's not being talked about enough. But man, oh man, he's having a great year. I would venture to say he's probably their ace. Uh, but they would never say that because they're going to want to say, you know, you Darvish or Mike Clevinger, guys, guys with the bigger names. But mm-hmm. uh, he is he's having a really good year so far. Yeah. Um, so that's my top five. OK. Any, any issues? Um, I think my only pushback and not too much, too. I mean, I, I can understand maybe six through ten. That's probably where you'll have maybe the brewer somewhere, the angels somewhere. You know, so I, I, I'll, those are inner working. I'd say. I would say though, I do think the Yankees do deserve to be number one, though. Uh, record is the record. I mean, you have Stanton, who's been, who, whose bats finally come alive. Judge, who's basically yeah. hitting nearly two home runs every other game. It seems like, uh, you know, their lineup uh, for hitters. Yes, it's top heavy, but I feel like now with where they've kind of positioned everything they can get guys on base and then bring them home with their big bats. Um, I do also think too, that their starting rotation is now starting to come to, especially Severino coming back from injury and he's starting to look like the ACE was before. And they have a really good setup guy and Michael King who uh, can give them three innings and yet strike out maybe nine people. Like he's an electric pitcher, but I will say though, too, like, they're in a competitive division. Their record is their record. And I think the Mets, though, the question is, can they sustain the success? I know that Buck Walter is a great manager, but, you know, can this team keep it up? And I think, too, the Dodgers maybe could be ahead of them just because the Dodgers lineup, as you just said, way more deadlier than any, probably even the Yankees 
for more or less. And when Kershaw gets back from the IL, they probably arguably have the second best starting rotation, if not the best starting rotation. Yes, they have lost some really weird games, but for the most part, though, they're I I think too. Whenever the Mets and the Dodgers come into town, we'll see who really is the bigger of the two teams, so to speak. Yeah. I do think though that the Dodgers play play a little bit tougher. Granted, some weird weird game has been lost, but I think the Dodgers. I would probably put them at two just because of what they're going through and the winning streak that they're on and and what's starting to come out from them. So other than that, though, I think your list is fine. Astros, I question if they're going to maintain their winning. I mean, yes, they have uh, really good hitters. Can they sustain it to where they're going to be a team to be reckoned with in the AL? That's debatable just because, again, like what you said, they have a questionable starting rotation and they're really relying on Verlander, who is basically at the last part of his career hopefully he doesn't get injured knock on wood and then who do they have outside of that so that'd be my only argument to that but hey for now that they are they are a really good team and they are a team that nobody really wants to see because they will they're a scrappy team that will claw out wins and wear you out so yeah for sure so um sorry forgive me and my my sounds out here anyway um I do, I do understand the whole Astros thing, but I really, I do think their their rotation is underrated. Do I think it's great? No, I don't think it's great, but I do think it's very underrated. So um, I would say their bullpen is what I'm going to be really worried about, uh, and that's when you start seeing what teams truly are when they're in the dog days of summer. Yeah, and you got to go, you got to go into the bullpen a little bit more. You know, you start having a few more injuries. All right, let's see how your team does. Uh, that'll be their true test. But as of right now, uh, Astros are, are killing it. And I have no problem with you saying, you know, Yankees won. Um, I just feel like I'm not going to kill the Mets for having injuries right now. Um, and like I said, I, I would, right now, I don't know if the way the Dodgers have been playing, if mm-hmm. I think that they could uh, they could beat the Mets, you know, in a, seven game series it would be very questionable it would at least go to seven games for sure you're not sure if the dodgers can get past the mets in a seven game series as of right now yes the way that they've been playing the way that the mets have been playing um i would probably pick the mets right now i think it's hard to determine how they would be in a seven game series in may just because as we all know you're not you're not playing your your hardest right now. You're kind of just nope. ramping up. I would say when we get closer to September, we'll then revisit this because then we'll really see what this team is turning into. Because I actually think Dodgers and and Mets. I think the Dodgers would outlast the Mets just because majority of that team, obviously World Series champions, Freddie Freeman come o- comes over from just winning a World Series, a lot of experience. Uh, Walker Bueller as basically their ace compared to Scherzer. Hopefully Scherzer stays healthy if that's going to be a really good matchup. Kershaw, yes, we'll see how he is in the playoffs, but I think, in my opinion, I think the Dodgers be a more sustainable team than the Mets that are basically just kind of put together. That doesn't mean that I don't think they'll win a championship, but I think in a seven-game series come October, I think the Dodgers would would eke out in a seven-game series. If we're talking about October, I would agree with you. But I'm just saying, as of right now, I would I would definitely pick the Mets. So, right on. All right, Cody. So, do you have some 
takes for me. Some I questions do. for me. My favorite Drew take questions are now for you. So for all those Very that listened to last this. week's episode, I end up doing the Drew takes and I gave my answer, but I'm I finally have you here, so I get to I get to ask you, and I'm really excited. So I'm going to start off with an easy one for you. Um, as you know, Shaq said some very interesting things about Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert clapped back on Twitter and said that he can lock Shaq up. I want to ask you, Drew, do you think that's true? Do you think Rudy Gobert can lock up Shaq? No, no, <laughs> not in a hundred million years. No, Rudy, I know you got to save face. I know you got to be like, no one could beat me, blah, blah, blah. I know you got to have that mentality. There's no way this guy is going home going, I could definitely take shit. No, there's no way. You got to you know think who thought too. that. You know who thought that? Yao Ming. And that didn't right. work out for him. You know who you gotta, thought that? Uh, Akeem Elijah one? That didn't yeah. work out for him. Come on, man. You're not even like, you're not even top 10 in your position now. Right. Like you're not going, you're not going to be beating Shaq. No, yeah, there, there's no, no way. I, so I'm glad I got, a, I'm, I'm glad I got that. But I will also say too, how many of his friends do you think called him out? Like, dude, you really don't think you can beat Shaq, right? <laughs> They're like, dude, you couldn't beat Luka Doncic. There's no way you can beat Shaq. <laughs> and he's probably like, guys, Luca's really strong. Like, come okay. on. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so he's we'll also six eight. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say that your take is uh we're we'll see. We're not sure yet. Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't even know if Rudy Gobert can go. stop Shaq now, let alone in his no, prime. Exactly. Yeah. Shaq oh my god, dude. Now Shaq is he uh, probably in better shape than he was when he was playing the last few yeah. years. Yeah. And no, that's... um he I, I how does Rudy think he? No, no, yeah. I'm not even going to go down this role. No, I was it's not going to happen. I was saying this on the episode last week that um, I remember uh, the 2002 NBA Finals with the Nets and and the Lakers. This is when the <laughs> Lakers won their three peat. They swept the Nets in the series. Yeah. I remember the Nets literally couldn't not have thrown any more nope. players at Shaq. There was a dude. I think his name was Aaron Williams. He fouled out in five minutes. He got six fouls in five minutes <laughs> because he was guarding Shaq. Not saying that, not saying that Rudy Gobert is not as is is worse of a player than this guy. I'm just giving you some perspective. Shaq yeah. was so unstoppable; it was laughable when he'd have a defender on him. And I would agree, Rudy Gobert ain't stopping nobody. So mm-hmm. I'm glad we got that out the way. <laughs> and, and I remember, I believe it was the two. 2000, maybe 2001 NBA Finals against the Sixers, Lakers and Sixers. Yeah. And Kevin Mutombo was on that team. And Mutombo obviously was known for his blocks. Obviously, no, no, no. Yeah. But um, he was just, he couldn't. He, yeah. I, every time Shaq would body him up, Dikembe was like, what the heck do I do? Yeah. And I remember later in the series, they started like trying to double him and try to mm-hmm. like, bring other people. And Shaq was like, yeah, get off me, please. And yeah. just would jam I don't, it all over them. I don't Shaq think was so dominant. I, yeah. I don't think people realize how dominant he was in his prime. Yeah. Anyways, we're basically beating a dead horse, but there's no way <laughs> Rudy Gobert stacks up to Shaq. So <laughs> anyways, so also to, uh, both of these players, ironically, are in the playoffs any longer in the NBA side of it. But <laughs> there's a little bit of a controversy with the NBA MVP award. Jokic won it uh, over Embiid. And some say that Embiid should have won it. 
uh, over Jokic, but Jokic nonetheless back-to-back MVP. I want to know from you, Drew, though, do you think that he deserved to win back-to-back MVPs or should Joel Embiid had won? That's a complicated question because do I think he deserved to win it? I I think he deserved to win it. Um, You know, whether it being back-to-back, whether it being this year, he was really good this year. I mean, one of the best players. I personally thought Embiid should have gotten it, but I do also understand the fact that Embiid did miss a few games as well. Mm -hmm. Jokic did play all year. And everyone wants to go, well, you know, the Nuggets are a better team than the Sixers, and he had to deal with the Ben Simmons drama. And Listen, I get that, but I've tried to stop getting so upset about the um, the NBA um, MVP award uh, because if we're arguing who's the best player, I mean, the majority of the time it should have been LeBron winning it every single year. Mm-hmm. But what it is is it's more of a stat thing. And if you look at the stats, Jokic, unfortunately, if you're an Embiid, you know, truther, um, Jokic had the numbers. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And he did it. He did it without a Michael Porter Jr. and without a Jamal Murray. He had a great year, no question. Mm-hmm. But Embiid as well, we saw what he could do in the playoffs. We saw how good he was um, for them uh, and how much of a difference maker he is. And then when he was out, you know, you could definitely see the difference as well. Um, So uh, I I felt like I would have voted if I were a voter, I would have voted for Joel Embiid. But do I hate that Jokic won it? No. And I think it's dumb, too, that a lot of people are hating on him. Like you're showing you know, who all won back-to-back MVPs and then they have Jokic there and they're like, does he really belong there? I think Jokic is a talented player. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of those players that needs help. He's a, He plays a position that's kind of um, an, ancient, an ancient position. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, a, a love, uh, love-hate relationship with Jokic. But I think yeah. he deserved it. I would have gone Embiid, but I think he deserved it. Yeah, I probably should have put a disclaimer too because I said this last week. The, I think the MVP conversation and best player are two different debates that people have, mm-hmm. and they get them mixed up. Jokic yeah. was probably MVP of his team, and again, for the points you said, he had basically less to work with, and in my opinion, he got them in a higher seed. Joel yeah. Embiid, though, had the better season uh, from what it looks like, and he also went farther in the playoffs, but I will also stress to you, this is a regular season award. And and just like what you said too, if we're talking about valuable, in my opinion, it's not Jokic and it's not, you know, Embiid. It could very easily be Luca. It could be Steph Curry. Could be yeah. a number of other guys ahead of a lot of these guys. Just because yeah. if we're talking about valuable, what team is a non-playoff team without said player? But again, I think people get two different debates and intertwine them, and it just we don't go anywhere. But yeah. All right, last question. So. This one is probably an older one, but I'm sure you've heard it around the radio and stuff like that. But uh, Stephen A. Smith on first take kind of started some controversy. He said a couple of weeks ago that the Lakers should consider, should consider, not do it, should consider trading LeBron James because his argument was the Lakers have no tradable assets. Um, AD doesn't have a lot of value because of injury. 
uh, Will, uh, Russell Westbrook doesn't have a whole lot of value because of his positioning. Lakers are also in some bad contracts, have no draft picks until 2027. His argument was LeBron James is the only asset you have to move off of to even have a chance to work on the future. Not saying that LeBron James is washed, just saying to work on the future because of where they're at. I'm asking you, do you agree that the Lakers should consider trading LeBron James? I'm going to say no. I I don't think they should. Because when you say consider, yes, you're just saying, hey, let's talk about what what happens if we trade LeBron. Mm -hmm. But realistically, what it means is they're floating things out to other teams. Hey, if if we were to give you LeBron James, who would you offer? That's Mm -hmm. what would be happening. And I don't think you should be doing that. Should you maybe consider it? Yes, but when they say consider trading LeBron James, what they mean is floating it to other teams because eventually there will be something that will stick and then they're going to really have to be like, okay, are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. I don't think you should have that conversation. I don't think LeBron James is washed. I don't think LeBron James is any less of a player. I do think he's starting to get injured a little bit, but I think what you need is you need a little bit better of a cast around him, as Mm -hmm. you're kind of saying now. But if you were to trade LeBron James and keep Anthony Davis, I think your team is way worse off. I think if you were to keep LeBron James and get rid of Anthony Davis, you have a better chance of being still um, viable Mm -hmm. in in the league. Um, Still a team that could potentially um, get into an NBA Finals. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I know I've said trade AD for Damian Lillard. See if you could go after a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George, who just kind of right now hasn't been the great last two years. It's starting to kind of seem like over there, over in uh, Los Angeles on the other side of mm-hmm. LA, it's going to be a little bit like the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid almost mm-hmm. because they're never on the court with each other. And when they are, yeah, it's, it's really good. But at the same time, it's like, Paul George looked like he was better without Kawhi Leonard. And then yeah. when Kawhi Leonard is on there, Paul George is kind of like, eh, you know, should they keep him, you know, type thing. So for me, I feel like there's a lot that you could do and still keep LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Um, is it going to be hard? Yeah, of course. I mean, if you were to trade LeBron James, you could get way more than you could for Anthony Davis. I'm not dumb. I, I, I do understand that. But at the same time, I think you're much worse off, and I don't think your future is necessarily better off. I think your future is still questionable because the guys you're going to be getting are young. They're still developing. And as you had said last week, too, uh, the Lakers haven't had the best track record of Mm -hmm. developing players. Could you say that maybe they were developing them and, you know, they just, just started maturing a little bit more and obviously they grew into the game? Very, very fair. But at the same time, we really don't know because they haven't stayed with the Lakers. So we don't know. I felt like Kyle Kuzma was kind of that player who was showing up. He was hitting some big shots late in games. But unfortunately, he didn't work with LeBron. They got rid of him. He did well in Washington, but Mm -hmm. it didn't really result into wins a lot. So, I mean, yes. Do we miss Kyle Kuzma? Yes. But at the same time, I don't think that would have changed much for us. Maybe a better having a few more wins because of, mm-hmm. you know, his scoring, but 
you know, I, I, to me, I just, I can't imagine trading away. Maybe some people believe is the best player ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say probably number two, I, w- I would still probably have uh, Jordan at one, but I just can't imagine being like, yeah, let's just trade away, you know, one of the greatest players of all time, if not the sure. greatest. I think too, that people think that, and again, I I'm in the camp of the Lakers considering it. Sure. Do I want that to happen? No, but I would also say too that a lot of people are assuming that trading LeBron is a negative. I actually think of it as a respect thing. Like, look, LeBron, as we're constructed right now, the chances of us winning the championship are very slim. However, if we can send you to a team that's like one piece away, we can get some assets from them just for our future past you because you know there will be a day where lebron leaves the lakers for nothing you know could we do you a favor and send you to a team that gives you a better chance of winning and gives us assets to where we can grow and rebuild our franchise because essentially lebron made them for give up as many assets as possible and young players to get ad and westbrook and look what happened can we honestly sit here and say that with the roster that they're going to get any further than maybe the maybe now getting into the playoffs without fighting for a play in position with how competitive the West is considering we have teams now that are getting better year over year, such as the Pelicans Zion William comes back with how that roster is. They're definitely better than the Lakers in my opinion. So again, mm-hmm. I, I get why people think it's a negative to do that to LeBron because I think other teams have done it and it's hurt players or it's given the players a bad notion that, Oh, we got rid of you because you weren't worth anything to us. Yeah, I think of it as he's the only thing valuable that the Lakers have. And right now for his legacy, he's not winning a championship with the Lakers the way that they are. And the Lakers know that they're not going anywhere without him. So even if they did trade him, I think the Lakers would understand that like, look, we're not going to the playoffs. We're not going to the finals. We're right now just rebuilding the future. And that's that. But I will also say too, though, I don't I think LeBron should retire as a Laker and not be traded at all. I'm just saying I can understand if they consider it and you know that was something that they thought about. I will also say too though that last week they did vehemently deny that they were even considering it. It's not an option. Again, this is all just a, a hypothetical that was brought up on first take. So I don't want to make mm-hmm. it sound like that the Lakers are really serious about this. It's just a yeah. question I wanted your thoughts on, but but that's it, man. Yeah. I I would say this. If you really want to keep LeBron for the future, then they should trade AD to a bad team. Mm-hmm. Get maybe an okay player, a young player, mm-hmm. um, who may not be fully developed, but also doesn't look like fantastic. Um, and that way you can also get a first-round pick because you know they're going to be bad, a.k.a. Sacramento Kings or you know uh orlando magic teams like that where you know a team that a young team you could get a young guy and still get like a first round pick because then you could tell lebron hey we're gonna go after your son you're just gonna have to do it with this cast right now if you Mm -hmm. really want to play with your son well what would you think about ad getting traded to chicago somehow because he's from chicago he said he want to go back there i mean imagine what kind of package that they can probably put together to get AD to Chicago and what we can get back in return. 
maybe uh maybe <laughs> Zach <Marcia> Levine, <laughs> maybe DeRozan. Yeah, who knows? I mean, that could have literally had. Yeah, that would be the only team I can think of that that the Lakers could reach out to in a totally different uh, division, a totally different uh, conference as well. So then AD said that he wants to play in Chicago again one day. I mean, not not I a bad mean, try. I mean, that's not bad because you could end up going after like Vucic, who had a really good year, but I feel like was kind of a lot of people anticipated him to be way better. And I feel like if he went to the Lakers, um, he wouldn't have as much pressure as he did in Chicago, even though that is kind of surprising. But at the same time, they thought like he was going to be the go-to guy. And then they're like, okay, well, maybe it'll be Levine. And then DeMar DeRozan started playing well. And they're like, oh, okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be DeRozan. Then it's going to be Levine. And, and then, you know, it could go to Vucicic maybe possibly later. And I feel like he's better with the ball a little bit more. And if he were to play with LeBron, um, he would probably have him, him and LeBron He's the number two guy, and I think he would he would do a lot better in that situation. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that is it for us. Uh, sorry for uh, the long ending here, but uh, really good topic. So, uh, you know, sorry, not sorry, I guess. But anyway, uh, go check us out on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, which is all uh, Drew Code Sports Talk. Also, TikTok, excuse me. I forgot about that. Um, Cody's been doing a great job with the TikToks. I've been seeing those, and everyone uh, has been telling me, hey, I've been sharing them, I've been liking them. So I appreciate everyone who has been doing that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we actually had some uh, some people uh, comment on some of our videos. So keep those coming. We always want to hear from you. I don't know if you guys have seen, but we had also responded to them almost uh, pretty quickly. So yeah. Uh, go go check it out. Uh, go continue to uh, like all of our stuff. And also go uh, subscribe on YouTube uh, to our channel here where we're always putting out videos. I mean, I feel like I catch up and then I'm like, oh, I got to watch another video. Yes, I watch it, but it's only for research purposes, not to look <laughs> at my beautiful face. Because if that were the case, I would be lying to myself. So anyway, uh, go check us out and then also like and comment on those videos as well. Again, we always want to hear from you guys. We want to interact with you. And, um, you know, Cody, he does a great job of, of uh, responding pretty quickly. And I try to do as much as I can, too. So um, thank you guys for everyone who has already done that. Continue to, uh, to do that. It always helps us. Also, go check us out on the major podcast site, which is uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Anything and everything does help. Uh, if it's a one-star, let us know what we're doing wrong that, so that, we'll, that way we can fix it. If it's a five-star, let us know what you love. Uh, that way we can continue to do that. Um, and also go check out our partners over at fnxfitness.com. They have great workout gear, great workout supplement. Um, they probably are right now. I was looking at their gear. They're kind of limited right now. That's because they sell out so quick. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, they always, always are having coming out with like new, uh, like new proteins, new, uh, just any type of supplement you can think of, they have so much. Uh, so go check them out. They have vegan options. They have, you know, regular protein options. They got creatine. They got, they just have everything. So go check them out. Um, 
anyone who uses supplements for any specific thing they have. Trust me, go look them up. Use our promo code, which is uh, capital Drew, capital C on the code, 15, uh, where you can get 15% off your whole purchase by using that promo code. That does help us as well. So please go and do that. Uh, and thank you in advance for doing that. So I will let Cody close the rest of this out. Cody. Well, guys, we just want to thank you guys again for joining us. Stay tuned for next week, you guys. we got probably a lot more going on with some NFL content. Probably also some recap with some more NBA playoff talk, which is super yes. exciting. Yes. Uh, again, though, to keep up with all of this, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like Drew said. Like, comment, share. Super appreciative. Uh, follow us on all the social medias, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Drew Cook Sports Talk. Uh, and Drew's got a limited edition merch. It's a one-of-a-kind one of for, uh, for his birthday. So uh, anyways, guys, we appreciate you guys for listening. Again, don't forget to subscribe, like, share, like we mentioned. We'll catch you guys next week. High ambitions in the right mind can take you so far. It's like you lived a few lifetimes. Take off from a break off from the weak minds. They can stay soft. You can